Romans chapter 9, verse 25, and the heading uh, for the, the, the next heading that we see is, Who shall be saved? Uh, and I'm going to give you Old Testament witness. So who shall be saved? Question mark, dash, Old Testament witness. Verses 25 through 29. Who shall be saved? Question mark. Dash, Old Testament witness. Verses 25 through 29. So remember, chapters 9, 10, and 11 are warning against unbelief. And it uses Israel as an example. Warning against unbelief with Israel as an example. So what we see play out in Israel is what will take place if unbelief is in us as far as God's redemption plan. If we reject God's redemption plan, the same thing that happened to Israel will happen to us yes. spiritually and physically. Yeah. Except for we're obviously not a nation. So... <laughs> So there obviously there's going to be some differences, but, and we've already seen uh, some of that. I'm not going to go back over it, but we need to move on forward. So, who shall be saved? Old Testament witness, verses 25 through 29. Now let's go ahead and read verses 25 through 29. When you're there, say amen. Amen. As he said also in Hosea, so obviously we know the Old Testament witness yeah. is going to be in Hosea. <laughs> I will call them my people which were not my people, and her beloved which was not beloved. And it shall come to pass that in place where it was said unto them, You are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. Isaiah also cried concerning Israel, Though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness. Because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. And as Isaiah said before, Except the Lord of Zeboeth had left us a seed, we had been as Sodom and been made like unto Gomorrah. Verses 25-29. Paul uses Old Testament scriptures to show that the promise is to Gentiles as well as Jews. The promise is to all who accept. Yeah. Remember, Israel was given all the promises of the Messiah and and this and that. What we've seen is that just because you're a Jew doesn't mean you're saved. Right. That the promise, the, the promise was Christ, the Messiah, and it's by faith, not just because you're a Jew, doesn't mean that you partake of the spiritual inheritance. Yeah. Remember. All of those that are of Abraham are not Jews physically. Because it's by faith. By faith. All of Abraham, the, 
the promise that Abraham's seed would be many was all of those that have the same faith, that exhibit the same faith as Abraham. Those are what God would consider true spiritual Jews. Which would be you. (laughs) True spiritual Jews. Because Abraham exhibited faith in God's redemption plan. And if you exhibit faith in God's redemption plan, by golly, you are of Abraham. Hmm. Praise God for that. Amen. The passage in Hosea was intended for the Jews. But the Holy Spirit allowed Paul the latitude to include the Gentiles. In Hosea, if you read that passage and you look at it all through the book of it was all about the Jews. But the Holy Spirit allowed Paul to expand it to include the Gentiles as well. Which, if that was allowed by the Holy Spirit, then most likely it already had a double meaning. Certain prophecies have a double meaning. Uh, There are certain prophecies about uh, the destruction of Israel are having a double meaning. One, at the time when they were, the, the temple was destroyed, all of that stuff. And in another time for the tribulation period. There's other things about the Antichrist, the prophecy of that, that had a double meaning. It spoke of someone coming in that day, and it also spoke of the tribulation period when the true Antichrist would come about. So things can have a double meaning. Most likely that's probably what was happening here. There's some type of double meaning with Hosea. And if you read it, you you honestly get that feel that he says that I'm going to call those my beloved who are not. The Gentiles didn't know God, but that would be us, by the way. We didn't know God. We didn't seek after God. Most Gentiles don't care too much about God at all. Their life is built around everything else but God. Well, that wasn't the case for a Jew. Yeah. A Jew's whole life was built around God. The sacrificial system, they had the law, they had the prophets, they had all of these different things. It was totally revolved around God. Gentiles, not so much. (laughs) Didn't even care about God, not two thoughts about God. A Jew did, Gentiles didn't, but yet Gentiles are the ones that would accept God's redemption blank. And Jews, not so much. So those who are not my people, I'll call them my people. So the Holy Spirit allows Paul to expand it to include the Gentiles. God's heart is not just for Jews, but for all lost sinners. Throughout all of the history and generations of Israel, only a small remnant actually were saved. When you think about that, that's actually astonishing. Most of the time, we consider a remnant, when you just see it in Scripture, 
you see the people of Israel of that day, and then a remnant of that is saved. That's not, we're talking about the people of Israel as a whole. From generation to generation to generation to generation. From the beginning of Israel up until the end of everything, after the great tribulation, only a remnant of that people will be saved. That's a lot of people. And only a remnant, a, a small amount, will actually be saved. Now, here's a double meaning in that as well. It's also referring to the tribulation period. Yeah. Where two-thirds of Jews, two-thirds of Israel will be destroyed. And only one-third will be saved. From the through the great tribulation period, only one-third of Israel will be left when the Lord comes back and actually saves them. That is insane. Yeah. Just think about the amount of people, the amount of Jews, Israelites, that were around just when they came out of Egypt. Millions, I think. Uh, I don't remember the exact number, but a lot. <laughs> so just a remnant of that, but we're not talking about just that. Right. Talking about the whole of Israel from generation to generation. That's only one small clipping of the world's. <laughs> what is true of it? Now this is a sobering thought. What is true of Israel is also true of the modern church. Many people claim Christ, yet only a small remnant are actually born again. Yes, true. Jesus told Nicodemus, unless you be born again, Nicodemus, that's the only way. Just paraphrase it. If you are not born again, you are not saved. I don't care if you go to church. I don't care if you went to church your whole life. And you got water baptized five times just in case the first didn't stick. If you are not truly born again, you are not saved. No matter what you claim. I'm glad that when you do get born again, there is a blessed assurance on the inside that you can say that I know, 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 that I've been born again. If you have that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That's all I have to do is just say, I know, that I know, and if you already know, then you go, praise God, I'm with you in the same boat because I know that I know that I know that I've been born again. You don't have that? <laughs> but it's so, you think about that, especially in America. Not everybody that claims to be saved is really saved. Not everyone that was a Jew was saved. Yeah. Only a very small 
Remnant. There's always a remnant. As our sister said, there's always a remnant though. No matter how far Israel went, there was always a remnant. And in the church, there is a remnant. No matter how far the church has actually gone, there is still a remnant. But how small is that remnant? Because just the word remnant actually does mean small. We have, and I don't mean this harshly or anything, we have got to grow up in the faith. Yes, we do. Yes. And just because somebody says the name of Jesus, we can't just say, well, they got to be saved. Yeah. No, they don't. The Jews, to be honest, a Jew of that time would have picked you apart yeah. with what they knew. But it didn't even mean that they were saved. Yeah. Someone can have knowledge. There are people that can quote the Bible and yet aren't saved. There are people that can actually explain to you the fundamentals of faith, whatever denomination that they're in, and probably even other denominations that they're not in, and it still doesn't mean that they're saved. And we, the body of Christ, we just get in a real bad habit of just, well, praise God, they go to church, praise God, they said the name of Jesus, and they give to offering in time, so obviously they're saved. No, they might just be religious. We gotta we gotta grow up in the faith and have that discernment to know. That doesn't mean it. Praise God. I'm glad you do. But at the end of the day, it means nothing to you. Right. Are you born again? Let's just get we skip all of that and strike right to the heart of it. Are you born again? Do you know that you are a sinner? And that you can't save yourself. Have you seen that you're a sinner? And have you seen that Jesus is the answer? If you don't think you're that bad, you probably haven't seen that. Because when you do, and everyone that has been shown and seen how sinful they really are, you you already know when you see it, you don't you, you, you get it. And you know, I need some help up in here. Yeah. <laughs> I need somebody. Yeah, yeah come on. So if you don't, if you, you know, maybe you just haven't seen it yet. And I pray the Lord will reveal it to you. Yeah. Yeah. And don't get mad at me and stone me when it happens. <laughs> but we got, everybody, we got to kind of grow up in the faith. We just kind of accept everything that, well, praise God, they said, you know, all we got was, nowadays all I got to do is say something that sounds biblical. And people ended up, my dad read a bunch of stuff, I remember in a message or teaching and and all of it sounds sounds pretty good and like well praise God well you know what that sounded biblical brother so hallelujah what was what cleanliness is next to God because, praise God that sounds biblical even sounds King Jamish <laughs> so it's got to be but it's not part of the reason because we don't know scripture right. we don't really know the word of God like we think we do and the second thing is, is well, it really, well, all that really matters is, do, does it sound like they know the Lord? 
Yeah. And we just, well, they got to be saved. They're here at the service. They got to be saved. Unless, of course, we can look at them and clearly see that they're not saved. And sometimes we're so shallow that if someone, now I will say this, not at our church, not at New Life Worship Center, I have not seen this, but just because it's not at New Life Worship Center doesn't mean yeah. it's not somewhere else. Somebody walk in and they got tattoos all over the place, well they can't be saved. I'm sorry, grow up in the faith. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. And yet, Sister Big Hair, <laughs> who comes to church every Sunday, no tattoos, praise God. Just a big hair. And she always has modest clothes on. She never. Just a big hair doesn't even show any ankle, praise God. Well, she's got to be saved. She's got a resume. But Sister Big Hair never said the sinner's prayer, never saw that she's a sinner. She just thinks she's not that bad. And she's been taught to go to church, so she goes to church, and all of this is good. And then if you were to ever say born again, she might not even know what, and she would probably think that she is. Well, when it, well, I, I, well, I come to church every Sunday, and there goes the resume. Because that's what, if you don't, if you don't have Christ, all you have is a resume. That's it. So you just start reading that off. Well, pray God, are you saying, well, I've been going to this church. I didn't mean, answer what I asked. It's yeah. sad because they just don't resume. Yeah. Yeah. Someone, some, um, and I'm not saying that this man was saved or unsaved, so I'll just clarify that right now. But, but the but the principle is the same. Me and my friend Rocky, who is a minister in Salt Lake, he's a pastor in Salt Lake. I went and preached for him. Uh, love that brother. Uh, anyway, we were in Baton Rouge at Bible College at the same time. We went to a store and we're just kind of shopping. And I think he needed some shoes or something. Anyway, uh, a guy came up to us and went to an apostolic church in Baton Rouge. He came up to us, poor fellow. Uh, <laughs> obviously, probably didn't think that we were in Bible college or anything. Uh, I can't blame him. I, I myself have some tattoos and they were visible at the time. So he made an assumption. Poor guy got himself in trouble though. Um, and it wasn't intent, we were not intentionally trying to. But he, he gave us some cards and wanted to invite us to his church. And um, I'm, I, I, you may not believe this because you're in this class, but I'm actually a bit more reserved in public. I'm actually a very sh kind of a shy person. I keep to myself. Uh, you guys don't see that here because. Uh, I'm teaching, so. <laughs> but uh, uh, I didn't actually say anything. Rocky actually. Rocky's not a shot. <laughs> and, uh, I would have been content with taking the car and being like, "Thank you, you know, God bless you." Walk away. Not Rocky. Rocky said, "Well, what do y'all? What do you? What do you? Uh, what do y'all believe?" I'm like, "Great, Rocky, here we go." <laughs> and what he began to give us was a few beliefs. Well, we believe that Christ is the Son of God, praise God, and we believe in His soon return, that He's coming back, praise God. And Rocky said, well, what do y'all believe, because this is where you find out, what do y'all believe about sanctification? 
The man looked like he had never heard the word sanctification in his life. <laughs> the next thing he began to do was tell us his resume or the church's resume. Well, we bust in about 500 kids every Sunday. But what do you preach about sanctification? We didn't ask what because you don't know. Either you don't know, which at that point, uh, we could tell on his face, he, he didn't know. He didn't know. He maybe had never even heard that word. And he just read off. We're just going to give the resume of the church. Praise God. We bust in 500 kids. The sad part is most churches would just rejoice over that. But I, I would rather a church that honestly, and don't take this the wrong way and say, bro, Tan Pastor is crazy and mean. And I would rather a church that buses in no one, but yet has the true message of the gospel. Yes. Because those that are there will be fed. Yes. And then, on top of that, those that come encounter with those that are getting fed, they're going to. Yes. Yes. That's it. Yeah. The pastor is not. Some of you may have heard this, some of you may have not heard this, but scripturally, the ministry of the fivefold ministry is to equip the body for ministry. Well, no, that's the pastor supposed to be going. No, no, no. The pastor's job is to equip you. Because you're. Part of the body. That's it. Those in fivefold ministry equip the body to go out and minister. That's what the sign said. Drive That's it. No, that's only the fivefold ministry. No. It's not what scripture says. You need to preach the gospel to other people. So if those in the fivefold ministry behind this desk give you the truth and you're growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and you go out and you give somebody else the truth. Now remember, you can't help whether they accept or reject. All you can do is give. That's it. Right. Yeah, that's it. Some are going to reject and some are going to accept. But if you don't have the truth coming out of the pulpit, and you can bust in all the people you want, but they're coming dead and leaving dead. That's it. They're coming lost, leaving lost. Alright, so much of that also carries the meaning of the remnant in the Great Tribulation. One third of Israel will be saved. The Word of God was the foundation of all that was said and done, and it must be the same presently. That right there blow up most minister sermons, I'll be honest. Yes. Just blow it right out of the water. If God didn't save a remnant, then Israel had been totally destroyed with nothing left. 
Hence the use of Sodom and Gomorrah. That's why Sodom and Gomorrah was used here. If the Lord didn't save a remnant, Israel would be just like Sodom and Gomorrah, gone forever, wiped off of the face of the earth. But we know that that will happen because, well, God's never lied. Right. And he won't start now. Right. In a state of denial and rebellion, it is going to take judgment of unprecedented proportions to bring Israel to its spiritual senses, which will happen in the coming great tribulation. That is what is going to take. It's going to take two-thirds of Israel dying, being destroyed. It's going to take Israel being so boxed in that there is no hope except for Jesus coming down himself and for them to be able to see the wounds in his hands and his side and his feet for them to finally say we were wrong we went the wrong way where did you get those wounds and you'll say, in the house of my friends. And they'll know immediately. That's us. And they'll accept them right there. Oh my gosh. This is a side note. Really doesn't quite, kind of does when we talk about Christ, but and kind of goes along with the message this morning in a sense that error is actually pretty sneaky. Yeah. Satan uses doctrine, false doctrine, and it just, it sometimes, just a little leaven messes up the whole lump. Yeah. Just a little leaven. It can be all truth in one lie. Well, that little lie, leaven, ruins the whole lump. Ruins the whole message, the whole gospel. A minister was talking about Christ and how we're like him. And it was so much good. And then he said something that was wrong. And then I don't even know where he got it in scripture. I think it's a I, I think I understood what he was thinking. But it's wrong. He said that Christ is whole. Yes, Christ is whole. But he said he doesn't have the wounds anymore. We well, haven't read the Bible, brother. It says for all time he'll have the wounds in his hands and in his feet. If he doesn't still have them, how when he descends down to save Israel will they ask the question? Where did you get those? That one, even though it's minor, I'll say that, it is minor, but you see how, yeah. like that, and you, just because all the other good ones there, we can't just ignore, yeah. whoa, brother, hold up. <laughs> How'd you miss that? Because really, you, you, your, your object is to push a point. 
not so when we're trying to just push a certain point we'll miss something mm -hmm. like that just trying to, now i knew what he was pushing which is the the it was eternal security mm -hmm. was the idea but and I, I, don't, I really don't even know why I said it, because that had nothing to do with it. Anyway, but just a little, the point is, just a little, yeah. just a little bit. And that's just time. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, it's pretty obvious in Scripture. They say about, right. about prophecy. If somebody gets something wrong one time, they're not a prophet. Mm -hmm. Right? What's that? I'm sorry, what was it? Doesn't the Word say that when somebody gets something wrong in prophecy, that then they're not a prophet. If someone is speaking by the Spirit of God, they won't be wrong. No. I know. If someone is speaking by the flesh, they're going to be wrong. Yeah. And a lot of times in the church, especially in the body of Christ, someone claims himself to be a prophet, but yet there's a lot of things that they say that never come to pass, and no one says anything. Mm -hmm. They're just like, well, he's a prophet. Well, wait a minute, hold up. <laughs> How many prophecies haven't come to pass, but yet we'll latch on to the next prophecy that he gives or she gives because we're not mature in the faith. Yeah. We've got the wrong object of faith. Yeah. Right. We go back, we've got to grow up. It's a hit. It becomes a hit and miss, and we just, uh, we can't afford to do that. And whether we're talking, preaching uh, the, the word of God or in prophecy and stuff like that, we can't afford hitting this, you know. That's yeah. like just a that we're, we're dealing with souls. God's not yeah. interested yeah. in us hitting and missing. He wants a, He wants to give us the true gospel. And and if a man or a woman is going to call themselves a prophet, they need not to be guessing. They need they need to make sure when they say the Lord said that the Lord said. Now that's on them. We also need to be able to have discernment to know and not just chase after everything yeah. just because somebody said so mm -hmm. and and one of the ways to guard against that i think is to avoid latching on to a personality mm -hmm. yeah that's it you're right you're right yeah. it's so easy to do that it whether is. in preaching mm -hmm. or prophesying we have a tendency to latch on to people and personalities mm -hmm. that's why we give them a pass when they get it wrong because yeah. we, we've latched on to them the person and not and we're not listening to the spirit anymore and uh, we need to be able to listen to the spirit of god what the spirit of god is saying i'll give you a good a good rule of thumb to follow by and my dad taught me this and so did professors at the bible college it's a really good rule of thumb and it'll save you from a lot of nonsense if someone calls themselves anything if someone gives themselves a title, I'm apostle, blah, 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 prophet, blah, blah, and, they, and they put it out there too. Oh, yeah. You might as well just forget it. Yeah. Just don't pay any attention. Yeah. That's a really good rule of thumb. Yeah. Because someone who truly has and has been called by God, then you'll see what you see with Paul. Now, yes, in certain books, Paul does say an apostle. And Paul, the Holy Spirit allowed Paul to do that because most of the time in those books, his apostleship was being questioned by those that were coming into the church. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's why you see that. But 
most, if, if you were to be having a conversation with Paul, he would say bond servant more than he mm-hmm. servant. Yeah. He he took a low place. Right. He did. Whatever he ended up yeah. being, which is an apostle, God put him there. Yeah. Yeah. God called him to that. The problem is, man, we like, and it goes right into with the the pride of life. Yeah. The pride of life. Who I am, what I do, what position I hold. That's the pride of life. And that's sin. Well, praise God. I'm an apostle. <laughs> and we said, well, pray that, that pride of life, probably most likely. Well, I'm a worship leader. Because what does that do? It appeals to the Because I, I want to be seen as great. And the truth is, it's in all of us. It's in me. That's why, Lord, I just want your will. Lord, if you call me to be a prophet, fine, but I won't be calling myself that. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know if that's it. If by the end of my life, people say of me, he was a prophet, then people say that. And maybe God says that, but I won't say it. Yeah. Whatever it is, just a good rule of thumb. If someone calls themselves that and they demand to be called it, mm-hmm. you get it. Pride of life. But a good example of that is in the Old Testament. There were false prophets in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And, and some of those false prophets, and we don't. We, we have a tendency to look in hindsight, right? Yeah. You know, we see Isaiah and Jeremiah and everything, but you know, those prophets, especially Jeremiah, were not accepted mm-hmm. typically by the yeah. leadership in Israel. Mm-hmm. However, there were a lot of other prophets mm-hmm. that were. Yeah. The difference is, is those people, oftentimes, they, they set themselves up as prophets. That's right. true. They went. They, they went to the school of prophets and mm-hmm. set themselves up as prophets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they wanted that. They wanted that. Uh, and they wanted to be known as prophets. And they would only prophesy. They, in other words, they would prophesy whatever the king wanted to hear, basically. You know, same thing we got today. Yeah. Uh, people prophesy what people want to hear. Mm-hmm. They get better followings that way. Yeah. They get better offerings that way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Jer- the Jeremiah, or prophets like him, they didn't run around saying, I'm a prophet, y'all need to listen to me. They were first, as Paul described himself, servants of the Lord. They just simply went about doing what God told them to do because they were true prophets. They didn't have to make the announcement that they were. And the true followers, the true remnant, always recognized the true prophets. Same as it is in the church today. If God hasn't called you to it, you won't be anointed for it. Anything that the Lord does in this class, I'll be honest, ain't got nothing to do with me. It's just that the Lord, this is what the Lord told me to do. And He anoints because He started it. I didn't start it. My dad didn't start this. So He anoints it because 
He's in it. Yeah. But if you call yourself to something that God had called you to, He's not going to anoint you. I hate to break it. That, that is horrible when it comes to ministry, the pulpit, preaching, teaching, and music. Worship leaders. Everybody wants to be a worship leader. Everybody wants to sing. And God hasn't called them to sing. That's just not, that's just not your place in the body of Christ. It's okay. It's okay. Not everyone is called to be a mouth. It's okay. Just like I told you before. If the heart was jealous of the mouth and said, I'm sick of this, I'm coming out, baby. Put me in the front. The body as a whole would die. Even the heart. The heart would kill itself and the rest of the body. That's what's happening in the body of Christ. Well, I want to be a worship leader. God hasn't called you that. But if you go out there, you'll kill yourself and everyone else. You'll cause harm to yourself and everyone else. But we don't think about that because we're selfish and the pride of life, baby. And we don't think anything's wrong with it. And we'll deceive ourselves and cloak it. And, well, I'm just doing this for the Lord. I just want to serve God. I just, I'm just... This, I'm just serving in any way that I can. But if God hasn't called you to it, then you're causing harm to the body of Christ, not benefit. And if you really want the Lord's will, then stop. But if you want your will and your kingdom, then you go right ahead. But it's going to fall down and you're going to cause harm to the body. Yeah. As a whole. And there are certain obvious signs. For one, it just won't be anointed. If the Lord has not gifted you, then He hasn't called you. Yeah. Well, I'm called to sing. If, if you can't sing, <laughs> God didn't call you to that. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> if, if you cannot sing, my dad can't sing at all. Yeah. And he he knows that. <laughs> he can't sing. Yeah. Sorry, Dad. He knows. And he also knows that's not his place in the body of Christ. Right. So what is he not trying to do? Right. Fit himself in that place in the body of Christ. There's just some good old-fashioned common sense telltale signs. If you can't sing, God didn't call you to it. And if you insist on staying there or placing yourself there, first you'll have to do it through manipulation. The same way that Nehemiah was called to a certain position by God, but yet man, another man here, actually placed himself there. And you know what God did? God removed that man because God didn't call him to that. Placed Nehemiah there no matter how much the other man tried to get that position back. He didn't get it because Nehemiah was called to it. God placed Nehemiah in that position and he wasn't going anywhere until God said it. If God's called you to something, he's placed you there, you don't have to fight for it. 
You don't have to manipulate it. You don't have to make it work. God will take care of all of that. And he'll make it known. Hmm. Praise God. Alright, let's move. In the eyes of God, Israel was just as bad as Sodom and Gomorrah. Judgment begins at the house of God. For those that much is given, to whom much is given, much is required. The Gentiles, the pagan world at the time, but the Jews... They had the word of God, the law, the prophets, the promises of the Messiah, the sacrificial system, the temple, the tabernacle, the feast days, all of this pointed to Christ. And yet, they rebelled. Sodom and Gomorrah didn't have it. They rebelled and they were destroyed. Israel did. They rebelled. So in the eyes of God, they were worse. Either the same or worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. That's pretty bad. We look at Sodom and Gomorrah and it's like, whoa, dude. That is the worst of the worst. God saw Israel as the same or worse. Because they had the truth. Right. Let that be a sobering thought. Remember the whole idea of 9, 10, and 11 is if you now know the truth, through 1 through 8, Romans 1 through 8, you now know the truth if you rebel against it through unbelief, the same thing that happened to Israel will happen to you. And God said that Israel was the same or worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. 